Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, August 22nd. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Well, it is finally that time and college football starts this week. It is week zero, but it still starts. So let's get going with all the other sports and obviously football will be included. Starting off with baseball, though, the Braves designated hitter Marcel Uzuna was booed by his home crowd in Atlanta on Sunday's game against the Astros. This was his first game back after he was arrested for a DUI and the boos crescendoed after he struck out. Ozuna has been arrested two times in the last two years, the first one for assault against his wife. Mets third baseman Brett Beatty, the 12th pick in the 2019 draft, made his major league debut on Wednesday night against the Braves. So this was already a big night for him, but at his first ever at bat, Beatty hit a home run. That run contributed to the Mets being able to hold off the Braves, winning 9-7, which snapped Atlanta's eight-game winning streak. This was huge because the Braves had dominated winning the last two games against the Mets by a combined score 18 to 1. And the two teams are number two and number three in the National League. So huge playoff implications on their rankings there. Sticking with the American League, but going to number one, the Yankees needed a W against the Rays to avoid the sweep when they played their final game again on Wednesday. The New York team was down 7-4 to four going into the bottom of the 10th inning, and Josh Donaldson came up to bat. Donaldson hit a much-needed walk-off grand slam to win 8-7. to seven. Now, the Yankees... They are in first, so you're like, why did they need this win? They have lost 11 games since the start of August and only had three wins in the last month before playing this game. So if you go on Twitter, the Twitterverse was blowing up when this happened that Donaldson saved the Yankees' season. Going off with who else had Grand Slams, Pujols hit a Grand Slam this past week as well to complete the sweep of the Rockies. 
for the Cardinals. The Cardinals won that game 13-0, to and that wasn't the only route of the week. The Astros destroyed the White Sox in Chicago on Thursday, winning 21-5. to Third baseman Alex Bregman hit two home runs and two doubles, and the team recorded as a whole, recorded 25 hits, which ties their franchise record. They did split the series 2-2 two to two with the White Sox, however. Also, and I'll go over it a little bit more on what to watch this upcoming week, the Little League World Series has begun in Pennsylvania, and a champ will be crowned on Sunday. We got a little bit of basketball news. LeBron agreed to a two-year deal with the Lakers for $97.1 million with a possible extension for a third year. This deal makes LeBron the highest earning player ever in NBA history with a total of $532 million over his career is guaranteed. The NBA also came out with their season schedule. The season will start on October 18th, and it begins with a bang. The first day of season, you can see hated rivals, the 76ers at the Celtics and the Lakers at the Warriors. So LeBron versus Steph Curry on day one. What else could you ask for as an NBA fan? The league also avoided scheduling games on Election Day to encourage people to go out and vote. Christmas Day also has a lot of people really excited. The 76ers at the Knicks, the Lakers at the Mavs, the Bucks at the Celtics, the Grizzlies at the Warriors, and the Suns at the Nuggets will be that day. Moving on to my favorite topic, football. And college football is here. It is week zero, but still. So only 11 games will kick off on Saturday with only six Power 5 schools. But I will go over those in what to watch this upcoming week. So remember a couple of weeks ago in you heard about a Big Ten media deal? Well, the deal is done and it is official. Fox, CBS, and NBC will be the featured networks for all your Big Ten games. That will be for seven years starting in 2023. And that will bring $7 billion to that conference. The Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, which still sounds weird to say as a Texans fan, is now suspended for 11 games and has to pay a $5 million fine. Remember, this is all for the two dozen women that have accused him of sexual misconduct during massage massage sessions. Try saying that three times fast. And this was all after he reached a settlement with the NFL and the NFL Players Association. This will go into effect on August 30th, so that means he can return for week 13, which coincidentally is the game he plays against the Texans, his old team. Tom Brady will be returning to the Bucks at training camp this week. The date is actually unknown, and it turns out it was today, but he's been absent to deal with personal matters. This is a huge relief for Bucks fans. Moving along to golf, Patrick Cantlay is the first ever golfer in the 16-year history to successfully defend a FedEx Cup playoff event at the BMW Championship this past weekend. He was two off the lead at the 10th, but after a couple of birdies and in true Patty Ice fashion clutch putts, he won by one. The win put him into third in the official World Golf Rankings, and he will go into the Tour Championship at Eastlake in second. 
So going into next week, there will be 30 golfers that will be playing in the season finale this coming up weekend, which is the Tour Championship. Scotty Scheffler comes into Atlanta in first place, and he will start 10 under. I'll get under that. I'll get into that here in a second. Adam Scott is last in. He played so well in the BMW to guarantee his spot, and he actually started the postseason ranked 77th and then played well. Then he was 45th going into the BMW, played even better. He finished tied to fifth and made it to literally number 30. This meant that Shane Lowry is the first golfer out, and so he missed the finale for the season again. Lowry, despite being a major champion, has actually never made it to the Tour Championship. So that's just a really well-known name to not ever make it. There are only 30 golfers that will compete this weekend, but still. So hashtag girlfriend hint here. Remember, this format is a little bit wonky. So the reigning FedEx Cup number one for the whole season comes into the tournament with a two-shot lead over the next golfer. They will start at 10 under. That is Scotty Scheffler. Now, Patrick Cantlay is in second, and he will begin with a score of eight under. So there's a photo on the blog if you want to see that breakdown. However, like a normal golf tournament, whoever has the lowest score at the end of the weekend wins the tournament and wins the season. So basically what the PGA Tour came up with a couple of years ago was that their scoring system was way too complicated. You had, like, for example, in 2017, Xander Shoffley won the tour championship. Even though that was the final FedEx Cup playoff event, he actually didn't win the season and didn't win the FedEx Cup. That went to Justin Thomas. So because Justin Thomas had played well during the season, that's how he ended up with more points, and Xander Shoffley finished the FedEx Cup race in third. That has now changed. So the PGA Tour basically said a two-shot lead is what is equivalent, I guess, to the season-long win, which doesn't really make a sense to me because if you are ahead by so many points, even if you're ahead by one point, you get a two-shot lead, or if you're ahead by 500 points, you only get a two-shot lead. So I don't particularly like it in that sense, but it does kind of make it a lot easier to understand when watching the tournament. So whoever does win the tournament this weekend wins the season. And last year, sitting in number two, Patrick Cantlay won the whole thing. So he won the FedEx Cup, and that is a $40 million check, people. So if he wins, he will be the first to repeat. Moving along to Olympic sports. U.S. Championships in Gymnastics was this weekend, and it was great to see some familiar faces and some brilliant new talent as well. The competition is a combination score from two full rounds, but they're a day apart. So on the men's side, Stanford Cardinal Brody Malone took the title in the all-around easily, like five points easy, over Danelle Wittenberg. His favorite apparatus is the horizontal bar, a.k.a. used to be called the high bar, and he was just off the podium in Tokyo but got bronze at Worlds in 2021. He is guaranteed a spot to go back to Worlds with this performance. Danelle has never made an Olympics but is a four-time world team member, and he will be going back. So we had some event winners as well as the all-around. You also win an event. So floor, Brody Malone took that and took the horizontal bar. The parallel bars was won by Kieran Phillips. The rings was won by Donnell Wittenberg. 
The pommel was won by Penn State Stephen Nedaroxic. The vault was won by Asher Wong. On the women's side, 17-year-old Connor McLean moved past Shalise Jones to clinch the all-around title. You may not recognize her name, but you will recognize her coach's name as she is coached by the Lukens, as in Nastia Lukin. Shalise took the lead after day one, but made a couple mistakes on day two, like falling on the balance beam, which was her first event, and landing on her butt during her final dismount in the uneven bars, which was her final event. And those just could not be overcome. She did get second, though. Tokyo Olympians Jordan Childs and Jade Carey took third and fifth, with alternate Kayla DiCello in between in fourth. Both Simone Biles and Suni Lee were not present. They are the reigning all-around champion, Olympic champions. However, the future of women's gymnastics definitely looks bright after this weekend. Winning the events in beam, Connor McLean took that title. In the uneven bars, actually, there was a tie between Leanne Wong and Shalise Jones. Shalise Jones also took floor and Jade Carey took the vault in a nice redemption tour as she was supposed to, she was the favorite for the gold medal in Tokyo, but ended up tripping or something. She actually doesn't even know what happened and she won't watch the video. I don't blame her, but um, she ended up taking gold on floor at the Tokyo Olympics. And so, but this was a nice way to her, for her to come back and do a redemption on the vault. So the European championships were also this weekend. So even though they weren't televised over here in the States, we did get some major headlines. So silver medalists in Tokyo for cross-country cycling, Matthias Flukiga tested positive for a banned substance at the Euro championships. He tested positive for Zeronol, which is actually used to promote growth in cattle on a regular basis. His silver medal will not be affected by this positive test. GBRs, or Great Britain's Jacob Fincham Dukes, celebrated his silver medal winning jump with a lap of honor at the Euro Championships before it was stripped away. His second place jump, which was 8.06 meters, was deemed to be foul after a French protest of the jump. He then fell to fifth after that and was taken off the board. Team GBR also had some more bad luck on the track. It continued with Dinah Asher-Smith pulling up with a cramp during the 100-meter final. Asher-Smith has had kind of like a seesaw-y kind of year. She was injured at Tokyo and didn't make the final. She then won bronze at Worlds, much to the surprise of a lot of people. And then she withdrew with, with an injury from the Commonwealth Games. And now this. Germany did take the top spot in the games with 26 golds and 60 total medals, with Great Britain taking second with 24 golds, but matching the 60 total medals, and Italy got third with 14 golds and 51 total medals. Arrests have been made of former Tokyo Olympic Organizing Committee member and three clothing company employees for bribery. $380,000, or the yen equivalent, showed up in the Olympic Committee member's account from Aoki Holdings. Aoki was a surprise outfitter of the Japanese Olympic team as they were usually known for making suits for like recent graduates, basically for their first job interviews. This committee member was responsible for $3 billion of local sponsorship. 
However, I think it was a surprise, especially to most of the Japanese people, that Aoki was outfitting their Olympic team in their home Olympics. So it was pretty clear that there was some bribery going on, and they basically found the trail. But let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week. We've obviously got some MLB going on on Tuesday. We have the Battle of New York, the Mets at the Yankees. This is number two versus number one in the American League. So that will be at 6.05 on TBS. On Wednesday, the White Sox at the Orioles. That will be at 6.05 on Fox Sports 1. Then on Saturday, depending on your geographical location, you get either the Braves at the Cardinals or the Giants at the Twins. That will be at 6.15 on Fox. Then later that night, the Guardians at the Mariners at 9.10 on Fox Sports 1. Sunday, you can catch the Dodgers at the Marlins at 11.05 on Peacock and the Braves at the Cardinals at 6 on ESPN. So like I said, we do have the Little League World Series going on. I don't usually cover it on this podcast, but just know it does start Monday. We've got games, and pretty much every day this week, we've got games at noon, 2, 4, and 6 on ESPN, or at least an ESPN-affiliated time or affiliated channel. International teams will be playing. So there's international brackets and there's um, United States brackets. So international teams are usually at noon and 4 with the United States teams at two and six. So that continues through the week. Thursday, you get the international teams at two on ESPN, followed by the United States teams. Those are obviously all to be determined because we're still in bracket play. That will be at six on ESPN. Then Friday, everybody gets a break unless you're competing in the home run derby. That will be at six on ESPN. Saturday, you can catch the International Championship at 11.30 a.m. on ABC, followed by the U.S. Championship at 2.30 on ABC. Then on Sunday, the third place game will be at 9 a.m. on ESPN, with the World Championship being at 2 on ABC. So like I said, I will go over the college football games we've got going on this weekend. There is 11 total. Only 10 are televised. And I will only go over those that are on major networks. So on Saturday, Nebraska at Northwestern at 1130 a.m. on Fox. UConn will play Utah State at 3 on Fox Sports 1. Wyoming will play at Illinois at 3 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Duquesne will be at Florida State at 4 on ACC. Then Florida A&M at UNC will play at 7.15 on ACC Network. Nevada at New Mexico State on ESPN2. And Vanderbilt at Hawaii at 9.30 on CBSSN, which not a lot of people have, so I don't usually list it out. But since Vandy is in the Power Five, I did go ahead and list it. We do have more preseason for NFL. So tonight, the Falcons at the Jets at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Then on Thursday, the Packers at the Chiefs at 7 on NFL. The 49ers at the Texans at 7.15 on Prime. That is Thursday night. Friday, the Seahawks at the Cowboys at 7 on NFL. Saturday, you can only catch NFL Network for these games. The Jags at the Falcons at 2. The Rams at the Bengals at 5. And the Vikings at the Broncos at 8. Then on Sunday, the Giants at the Jets at noon on NFL and the Lions at the Steelers at 3.30 on CBS. Like I said, for golf, it is the tour championship. So the season finale round one will be televised at noon on Golf Channel on Thursday. Then on Friday, it will be round two at noon as well. 
Saturday, you can catch round three at noon on Golf Channel, and then it switches over to NBC at 1.30. Same for that final round, but we do start coverage a little earlier at 11 a.m. on Golf Channel and moving over to NBC at 12.30. Also, the LPGA CP Women's Open will be televised at 12.30 on CBS. Only one Olympic event on TV this week, and that's Tuesday Beach Volleyball. The AVP Pro Manhattan Beach Open will be televised at 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. The FIFA Under-20 Women's World Cup is still going on, so that will be played Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. The first semifinal, you can catch that on 8.50 on Thursday on Fox Sports 1. Also, women's and men's NCAA games begin on Thursday. Those will be played on usually ACC and SEC networks so far. For the men, you can catch Maryland versus New Hampshire at 5 on ESPNU. That'll be Thursday. Then Clemson versus Indiana at 6 p.m. on ESPNU on Friday. And finally, rounding it out on Sunday, you can catch NCAA women Mississippi State versus Minnesota at 12:30 on ESPNU. That wraps it up for me this week. For more details and more games that I don't like to call out every game on the podcast, go check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports. If y'all thought I was excited about college football this week, just wait till next week when it is officially week 1, but hopefully y'all will tune in to the weekly update and I'll catch y'all next week.